The text for the sermon this day is taken from Matthew, which was read this, specifically this part. It says, Now when John heard in prison about the deeds of the Christ, he sent word by his disciples and said to him, Are you the one who is to come, or shall we look for another? And Jesus answered them, Go and tell John what you hear and see. The blind receive their sight, and the lame walk. Lepers are cleansed, and the deaf hear, and the dead are raised up, and the poor have good news preached to them. That is the text. Grace, peace, and mercy to you from God our Father, and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Think about what you know of John the Baptist. John is prophesied about all the way back in the Old Testament. You could read in Malachi, the reading that we had last week, in the prophecies of a prophet in the nature of Elijah who would precede the Christ. This, this morning, the reading from Isaiah, in the wilderness prepare the way of the Lord, make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Again, these are verses speaking of John the Baptist. And then when he was born, his conception was a miraculous one. His father, Zechariah, was in the temple praying when all of a sudden the angel Gabriel appeared before him and told him that Elizabeth, his wife, in her old age would be pregnant with a child. Zechariah did not believe. And for that, Zechariah was silenced. He did not speak a single word for nine months because he couldn't. Think about what that would be like. And then at the end of nine months, John was born. And the minute that John was born, Zechariah was able to speak. And then this child would grow up. And he would stand on the banks of the Jordan River and he'd proclaim the coming of the kingdom of God. He'd proclaim repentance. But in, or, but along the, in, or, in that preaching, in that life, he was not allowed to drink, no alcohol whatsoever. He, was, he wore the, the shabbiest, the poorest, the most rugged of clothing. He ate locusts and honey. So if you're thinking, so what do you think of that for a Christmas dinner? Forget the turkey and the ham, get locusts. There's a store in, um, up in Worthington, I think, that actually sells that if you like it. And so he grew, and so he preached. And according to Jesus himself, this man, who's the by the way, the first person other than Mary and Joseph to declare that Jesus is the Christ, this person who said, behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This person who was charged with baptizing Jesus. Jesus said of him, truly I say to you, among those born of women, there has arisen no one greater than John the Baptist. And yet... He ends up in prison. Not 
because he proclaimed Jesus. Jesus had not offended people to that point yet. He was in prison because he spoke against an improper merit relationship. The relationship between Herod and Herodias. Herodias was, the, was Herod's sister-in-law, his brother's wife. And yet they were having relations with one another. And it was this that John was preaching against. He told Herod to repent. And for that, John was arrested. For that, John would have his head cut off. And so it's kind of understandable that when he's in prison, he would send his disciples, because wondering... You know, out of all these wonderful things that he's done, all that he's sacrificed to proclaim the gospel, he ends up in prison. And, and by the way, when he was in prison, he was kind of treated as a source of mockery and entertainment by Herod. And so living in that condition, he asks, are you the one who is to come? Or shall we look for another? During this commercial season of Christmas, which theoretically starts at, on Thanksgiving, although nowadays it sometimes starts on like Columbus Day, someday it might be starting on Labor Day. But with that season, the stress, the anxiety comes. The end of the end of school year coming, or the end of the first, or the pre-Christmas break stuff is coming. Do you guys have final exams right beforehand? Major papers. So there you go. I know that yesterday, you know, cheating. We had the um, we had the celebration, all the activities and festivities. And at, on set last night when we had services at St. Peter, the comments from some of the people was that they're just exhausted. They're tired. That's what this the secular commercial season of Christmas brings. It brings exhaustion. Because so many things that we have to get done, so many things that need to, be, that need to happen. You know, yesterday, I mean, on Friday... I was coming back from Iron, Minnesota, because I was up there for a funeral uh, for one of my relatives. And me and my fan, me and my brothers and sister and my dad, we were trying to figure out think, Christmas dinner, because we're having it a week from today. And so we're worried about the shopping, worried about the gifts, because I realized I got seven days to shop, but I have not started at all. And so trying to squeeze that in with everything else that's going on. This is a hectic time of the year. And I almost kind of think it might be almost Holy Spirit inspired that the season of Advent landed where it did. Because remember, Advent is not pre-Christmas. It existed before Christmas. It is us getting ready for the return of Christ in the event 
that we don't get to see Christmas. We still remember that he came. And so, and so the season, so having at this time of the year, it's kind of an image of our lives. Because the reality is the world itself makes us weary, makes us tired, makes us scared, makes us frightened. I mean, look at what's going on in the news with all the, with the fear of terrorism. For so, 9-11 created fear, but after a while, we began to get comfortable. We began to forget that it was a reality. And, that, and then it struck in California. And so we're worried. When will that strike closer to our homes? We listen to the comments by our pol- political, the guys that are running for president. And some of them make us a little scared and nervous. Not to mention names on who in particular. But they make us worried. What would happen if they became president? All of them give us cause for concern. Wondering, when are we ever going to get a decent person? We worried what the fate of this country is. And then you have the simple realities of what's going on in our lives. Friday, I went to a funeral. A week before, I, was at a, I, was, I conducted the funeral for Alice Broxius. Two Fridays in a row are funerals. We live in a world where there is so much distress, so much sorrow, so much grief, and it keeps coming and coming. And, it's no, and it could be so easy in the light of that to say, are you the one who is to come, or shall we look for another? Because the reality is that we see this world as it is, and the devil just wants us. He loves having this, this turmoil and stress. And he wants us to see it and linger in it. And he wants us to say, no, he's not the one. You're following the wrong guy. That's why your life is miserable. Follow this. Do this or that. And you'll be better. And it leads us to ask those questions. And it might give you comfort that even John the Baptist wondered. But Jesus' answer was this. Go and tell John what you hear and see. The blind receive their sight and the lame walk. Lepers are cleansed and the deaf hear. And the dead are raised up and the poor have good news preached to them. The answer is the same to us. When a blind man stood by the road, maybe you remember that song, maybe if you know this from Sunday school, blind man sat by the road and he cries. Anybody know that one? Ah, anyways. Blind man sits by the road and he cries, Lord, have mercy on me. And Jesus comes to him and he gives him sight. When the, leper, the ten lepers come to Jesus asking for mercy, 
He heals them. When the paralytic was dropped on the mat before Jesus' feet, dropped through the roof because the crowd was so thick, that was the only way they could get their friend to him. Jesus said to the paralytic, Take, pick up your mat and walk. And he did. When the deaf came to him, he put his fingers into their ears, made them hear. When he came to Lazarus' tomb, who had been dead for long enough that, his, that it said that he stinketh, Jesus said, Lazarus, come out. And he did. These are events attested not only in the Scriptures, but even attested outside of the Scriptures. Even the Jews of Jesus' time in their writings said that Jesus did great wonders. Although they said it was done by the power of the devil, they do nonetheless admit he did incredible things. And then he himself, when he was nailed to the cross, suffered a horrendously painful, bitter death, conquered it. The tomb is empty. That is the answer. Are you the one who is to come or shall we look for another? Christ is risen. He made the blind see, the deaf hear, the lame walk. He cleansed the leper. He himself has conquered sin, death, and the devil. And he comes to you in the waters of baptism, clothes you with his righteousness, unites him to his death, and guarantees that you will rise like him. His word comes to you when I say, and I forgive you all your sins in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And those words are true. They're effective. They do what they say they do. When I say this is, that this is the body of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, that this is His blood, it really is so. In the Old Testament reading, it says, The grass withers, the flower fades. When the breath of the Lord blows on it, surely the people are grass. The grass withers, the flower fades. But the word of our God will stand forever. Think about that. This writing was written in the 6th century B.C. And we are still writing, reading it today. Almost 1,700 years later, we are reading the words... Think about how many, not 17, 27, sorry, I shortchanged it. 2,700 years later. Think about how many kingdoms have risen and fallen. The Persian Empire, the Greeks, the Romans, the Byzantines, the Mongolians, the British, the French. Yes, France and England still exist, but not the kingdom that they once were. The Prussian... The Prussian Union. So many kingdoms have risen and fallen. But God's word still 
stands. I don't know if you pay attention at all, or probably you know this, but which, you notice there's a different color candle that's lit today. And that is not the pink candle, but the rose candle, technically. There's a difference, slightly. I don't, people who know colors know better than I do, but I know there's a difference between pink and rose. And the reason is because today is Gaudete Sunday. Gaudete is Latin for rejoice. And the traditional colors of Advent are, are violet. It's a merging of black and purple. Because the season of Advent, we are called to repentance. We focus on the reality that the world is dying, that we are dying. And therefore, we are setting our minds, preparing our minds upon Christ. Not putting our hope in the world, but in Him. Knowing that this world will pass. The traditional color for Christmas is white. Representing the purity of Christ. And when you take violet and, you, and white, and you mix them together, you get rose. And so that is there to remind you that Christmas is near, but also to remind you that He is near. And there's a traditional song that has been sung in the history of the church. The Latin, in the Latin, it's called Gaudete. This is what it says in English. Rejoice. Rejoice. Christ is born out of the Virgin Mary. Rejoice. The time of grace has come. What we have wished for. Songs of joy. Let us give back faithfully. God has become man with nature marveling. The world has been renewed by Christ who is reigning. The closed gate of Ezekiel is passed through. Whence the light is raised, salvation is found. Therefore let our preaching now sing in brightness. Let it give praise to the Lord. Greetings to our King. Rejoice. Rejoice. Christ is born out of the Virgin Mary. Rejoice. Are you the one who is to come? Or shall we look for another? Jesus' answer is, The blind receive their sight, and the lame walk. Lepers are cleansed, and the deaf hear, and the dead are raised up, and the poor have good news preached to them. You are the poor. You are the ones who have the good news preached. Therefore, rejoice and be glad. In Jesus' name, amen. The grace, peace, and mercy of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, keep you in the one true faith and a life everlasting. Amen. We continue by singing hymn 344.